Welcome back to the Quiet On Set podcast. I'm Jung Graf and today I'm joined by two very exciting guests. First up, we got Zach Shevich, that's S-H-E-V-I-C-H, as in Sevich, <laughs> from the Intercut <laughs> podcast. Uh, glad to have you here with us. Thanks. Yeah, I'm struggling to think of a movie from Sundance that starts with a V that I could use for my uh, my typical little clarification. I here. checked because I think <laughs> you mentioned that on another live stream uh, that you did. Yeah. And I checked the entire program just on the side while you while I was listening to you. Guys. Not even a no, short. there's no movie with uh, not even I don't no, not even a short. No, none of them. Yeah, so <laughs> I guess people will go around misspelling your name <laughs> for that. So <laughs> screw you, Sundance. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we also got returning guest Justin Yeager. He's known also as the brother of all bros over from um, I'd call it the better half, you know, of the Oscar expert. Uh, YouTube channel and also are you the older twin or, or the younger twin? In defense, in, in I have to represent the Oscar expert as a whole here. And you know, in in defense, I'm not the better half. Um so he needs me to clarify <laughs> that and he needs to make sure it's sure that I'm not I'm not going around saying this. So that was not me saying that for the record. <laughs> I wanted to charm you with slander, but it it, it kind of backfired. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah, I have to represent <laughs> two people here. So I can't, I'm not really speaking as me um, today, just as a heads up. But regardless, good evening and thank you for having me. Very glad to have you back. Um, you already were with us uh, when we did our coverage last year. So yeah, let's, I guess, get straight into it. And maybe, um, you know, before we go into all the sections and all the different movies, how, you know, how exhausted are you guys? Are you, are you guys still kind of awake or how's your week been? In and out of it, you know, when you're trying to catch, I, I don't know how heavy y'all have been hitting the Sundance movies, but we're, we're trying to do like seven, eight movies a day. And then like, we're also here like cooking and cleaning and doing stuff like house stuff. And yeah, yeah it's, it's a little bit exhausting, but um, keeping the castle I, alive. Is that is that what you guys are doing? <laughs> exactly. We got to, you know, like raise the drawbridge and clear out the moats and, and do yeah. all that kind of maintenance so uh <laughs> if you guys haven't seen it they're in the craziest airbnb uh you really got to check out the video version of the intercut podcast you can google stonewall castle utah it's it's really oh crazy. so you're still committed to your airbnb that you were going to use for sundance yeah. yes oh so that is sort of what happened is that we were 50 percent uh obligated to keep this airbnb but the other Half of it is like, I just haven't taken a vacation in like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And this kind of sounded fun. It was a chance to hang out with uh, some people that I, I haven't seen in a little while who I like hanging out with. So, you know, it, it worked out. I haven't been to a castle since, you know, COVID. So it feels appropriate, yeah, to, I guess. Do exactly. <laughs> and this castle has a theater room, like a better theater, a better mm -hmm. setup than I got at home. So it was nice to hear, hear genius and meet me in the bathroom with like, thump and bass. It was, it was cool. I, I'm quite jealous of that. That sounds amazing. I, I've watched most of my films on a tiny monitor. And then um, I realized that I could just hook it up to my TV and it, it would just let me do that. I should have done that. I did that for, for literally one movie, Cha-Cha Real Smooth. And that was the <laughs> only one I watched. That one in my bed felt like appropriate to do. Uh, but yeah, uh, Justin, how was your week with Sundance or at Sundance? Well, we, d we did not go <laughs> to Park City, Utah, as we were originally planned, because it's just the two of us. So we were able to cancel. Um, but it's actually been pretty chill. We only see we usually just see like up to five movies a day, um, because if we see more than that, we'll get like too tired and exhausted and not like the movies. So we try to like them. And yesterday I only saw two movies because it's kind of winding down. And we're just trying to see the ones that we think will be really good. Uh, and yeah, it's been, it's been pretty fun. And I don't I actually like I don't even edit the videos. Cold is all of that. 
So it's kind of uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a break for me, although I was like pretty exhausted for a couple of days, but not nearly how some other people do it. Yeah, it seems pretty crazy how uh, you guys did it over from uh, the Intercut podcast. You know, you also did live streams in between. You already posted a bunch of reviews. I, I don't know. I don't, don't know how you did that because um, my my experience was because uh, I didn't get a, a full access pass through press. I, I did have to to buy my tickets. So it's kind of limited with, you know, how deep my wallet would go or. <laughs> how deep into debt I was willing to go to yeah. watch a bunch of Sundance films. I ended up catching a little bit more than 20 films, which is still, you know, quite a bit. But uh, I also try to, you know, um, go for the, for the biggest ones and maybe the ones that I really didn't want to miss and wait for uh, later down the line, um, which you will see, you know, our, our overall focus is more on the feature side and less on the documentary. Although, Zach, I think you caught quite a few documentaries um, as well. Yeah, I liked catching the documentaries out of Sundance, and I thought this was a pretty strong year for them. So I'll mention mm. a few of the standouts as we go. Uh, but yeah, I guess uh, let's talk about what's coming up in the show. We'll be talking about pretty much half of the lineup from Sundance. Just very quickly, maybe just mention that we've seen them, and then we can kind of direct you into, you know, kind of the the direction of uh, of the Oscar expert or Intercut, and then you can see on the letterbox on their YouTube um, some full reviews for the stuff uh, that not all of us got to see as well and hopefully you got your letterbox lists ready to expand your uh watch lists and also if you've attended the festival um feel free to share your thoughts over on twitter uh with us uh or on on letterbox i always like to shout out our hq account over there <laughs> and you can comment on on the list that we will have for sundance and then maybe even leave a voice message over on anchor uh and if you want to skip around to a specific movie we'll have uh, meticulously kept uh, time codes to all the sections and movies so you know check that out if um, you want to skip around but um, let's not waste any more time and uh, talk about the first big section over at the festival and that being the US dramatic competition so there's a couple movies that all of us caught and I thought uh, why not start it up with uh, one of, of my highlights a movie that I really enjoyed that being um, 892. Um, and yeah, maybe just uh, want to hear from the two of you. How did you enjoy 892? I thought 892 was a really solid thriller. And it ended up making you think about, you know, a couple social issues and economic issues that people have. And I was thinking it's similar to Emily the Criminal because it's about mm. a character who's in a world that, that's like the same as ours. It's really easy to imagine that someone could be in their situation and then that turns them into a criminal. It causes them to commit a crime. So there's like some films that some of the thrillers are like reckoning with that here. And this one, I think the highlight is the performances like John Boyega and Nicole Bahari. There's actually a whole ensemble of performances that are great. But yeah, I like this one a good bit. I was happy to see in the, the bit that I did, did see uh, the late Michael K. Williams as well. I do agree. It was uh, such a great um, ensemble piece as well. And then um, Boyega kind of shining through in, in, in that. And uh, it, it managed to with like being in this really bottle episode type of scenario it really kept me engaged for the entire runtime and that that was quite uh surprising to me i thought that maybe it would kind of die down but i was so compelled and, and reeled in with the character that um i was i was really you know knowing where it would eventually lead i was you kind of know going in that that's going to be that type of story but uh still you you are really emotionally engaged and um uh, was one of my highlights from the festival, uh, gotta say. Yeah. yeah, I thought it lost a little bit of steam. Like I was, I was pretty engaged, but it felt like 
I know what the movie is trying to like be about after a while right because so yeah. maybe like the premise is a little bit thin but it was still mm-hmm. like a pretty breezy film overall maybe prevented it from being like a top yeah. top for me is it your favorite of the festival no 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 it's um i it was just i <laughs> i really liked that the director liked my tweet about oh it. really <laughs> i'm nervous that i'm gonna like react to negatively to a film and someone's gonna see it so i actually don't really post negative reactions on twitter <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I think Riley Stearns uh, tweeted something today about like a reviewer he had like a personal quarrel with. And then that guy was in charge to to write the review for Duel. Oh, wow. That writer also misspelled Duel in her review for uh, Little White Lies. <laughs> <laughs> nice professional journalism at yeah. work. But yeah, next up, we got uh, Roddy Stern's third feature, Duel. That's D-U-A-L, not D-U-E-L, although it starts off opening with a duel, so that might Mm -hmm. be confusing. It definitely is not the last duel. (laughs) Maybe it is. I don't know, considering... No, it probably isn't, though. Not in this society. Uh, But yeah, what do you guys think of Duel? Let's go, Zach. Yeah, I really enjoyed Duel. I think Riley Stern's is... uh, pretty interesting filmmaker generally in that he likes to do these sort of stilted comedies where where Mm. um people don't necessarily communicate in very human-like ways or like normal people-like ways Mm -hmm. kind of frequent point of comparison is yorgos lanthimos uh right yeah they have a way of kind of stripping a lot of the typical emotions out of interactions in a way that sort of reveals how bizarre uh they can be i think that that tactic works to a little bit greater effect in his previous two films, mm-hmm. in uh, Faults and The Art of Self-Defense, in, like just in terms of what it has to say about its characters and about those types of people, it felt a little clearer to me. But I was mm-hmm. still really taken by Duel because as you were sort of alluding to, it's this really intriguing world, a pretty, uh, a pretty kind of bizarre alternate reality because it's sort of contemporary, but not in other ways. You know, like there's mm-hmm. a, a minor detail is like, their phones kind of look like MS-DOS uh, screens. Mm-hmm. I found myself really into the world and in, into some of the performances. This is maybe the best that Aaron Paul has been since Breaking Bad. Um, right. You know, I think it's not necessarily the most satisfying film of the festival, but I found it thoroughly entertaining. It's actually one of my favorites of the festival. And while I was watching, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to like this movie. It's It's like got that juicy black comedy that... I find really enticing. Mm -hmm. But by the end of it, me and Cole had a discussion about how the movie was possibly deeper than that or like could could maybe like relate Mm -hmm. to our society more or was trying to say something. And so that made me like it even more because it kind of ended. And then Cole was like, I don't know, like, was it was it just doing this? And I was like, I think it might have been doing this. And then we were like talking about and I was I was like, right, because we kept figuring, you know, we were kept thinking about it. But it made me like the movie a good amount. So is it like that type of film where you could see yourself really going quite deeper in its themes on a, on a rewatch? Is that kind of what kind of like, I don't think it's the deepest movie, but it's just one that I was surprised in the yeah. end to be like, like, especially the final shot got me thinking. Um, I, I think I was just mm-hmm. surprised that it actually did seem mm-hmm. like it was um, going for something more than it on the surface, because it's a very like surface level movie in, in a sense, like. Just the way the characters are behaving. They're doing everything with a really basic motivation. Mm-hmm. But then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think the world it creates is interesting. Um, it is interesting because it's like stripping down basically everything else that makes someone have a personality and just keeping to the to the core of, you know, 
kind of the needs that someone yeah. wants to have, like survive and maybe mm-hmm. have a companion, maybe something like that. And then it, it, if it, when you look at, uh, at it from that perspective, it becomes really interesting. Um, I um, I did see some reactions online that uh, were leaning towards the, you know, Sundance has uh, quite a few films with kind of these these endings that kind of lose their, their grip um, and films that lose their grip by the end of it. I couldn't disagree more with this film. I, I did feel like it, it, it's not as as punchy as you might expect it to be, but it's still yeah. a really interesting ending for the story that that we got. I think in some ways it feels like the film is leading to an ending that it doesn't give you. But if you're if you're reading the text a mm-hmm. little bit, like it's all there. Yeah. Um. So I think it's one that it will benefit also from a rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I don't know where you guys stand on um, the art of self defense, but I just thought that Jesse Eisenberg is, is so perfect for that role. And I didn't always feel that way with Karen uh, Gillian. Um, sometimes I, I thought that it's just the stiffness that I, I just see the stiffness and not the actual character that's just being stiff. Uh, but maybe that was I just that. like a personal uh, gripe. Uh, I liked her in the role and I thought she, I, like, I thought she did well. I didn't have a real problem with her, but I actually thought, mm-hmm. you know, Art of Self-Defense, the guy who played the sensei, I guess you call it, he was like really funny and, and an interesting character. And I felt like this movie did mm-hmm. miss that because Aaron Paul's uh, dual instructor is funny, but it didn't resonate that much with me. He, yeah, he's not the same kind of complex character as uh, what we got in our. It sort of like yeah. met my expectations yeah, for sure, what yeah. Aaron Paul might be doing in a um, in a movie like yeah. this, but didn't exceed right. it. Yeah. I think this movie has been picked up by RLGA, uh, but we'll see. It probably is getting a theatrical release uh, later this year. So glad to see when movies are getting um, picked up and distributed. You can't say that for all the films that premiere at Sundance. But let's move on to to Emergency, a film that's definitely getting a release over on Prime Video, I assume, yeah. uh, because it is an Amazon production. Uh, so what did you guys make of this thrill uh, ride of a of a story that also had, you know, a, a a clear thematic background that it was kind of following the entire way through. I could see Emergency being like one of the Sundance hits that people that resonates with people after the festival. Like I think it could go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I really found it to be I, I I found it to do a really good job with the themes it was trying to comment on. It did the social thriller really right. well. Um mm-hmm. some some like I think we've seen it at Sundance too, but a lot of the social thriller movies are becoming like too much for people like they're they're overbearing mm-hmm. and how brutally they want the message to come across and it's really like off-putting people but um this film doesn't go there but it does make you understand at a really deep level what these people are going through and how like their race makes every situation so much more complicated um weirdly enough i found that the the reason i didn't like love it was because it was so intense at times and it mm-hmm. just kept building that intensity uh so it was very uncomfortable, but um, but it definitely wrote me back in in the end when the characters got more grounded um, and the tension sort of like eased off. But I thought it was really strong. Yeah, yeah, I I found it to be pretty effective. Um, I think the the racial dynamics kind of forecast some of the turns and twists in, in a way that maybe like takes away from the like what's going to happen next quality but it but it still works because when those moments happen they land with an emotional authenticity they don't feel sort of how justin was saying like overbearing or like they're trying like they're trying to hit you over the head with their point they just kind of feel like the lived experience lived in experience of these characters plus it is very like charming and entertaining along the way i thought rj kyler is like 
or Siler maybe, uh, is so, so good in this movie. Um, and is it uh, Donal Watkins who's in the, in the lead role? I, I hadn't been yeah. familiar with him earlier. I thought he was also really excellent. I think largely on the strength of the dynamic of its characters, the chemistry between them, and then, like I said, like that it doesn't go over the top with some of those moments. Um, it kind of makes it very effective and entertaining. You know, not mm -hmm. necessarily... I think it's better as an piece of entertainment than it is even as like a social issues movie. Yeah, I, I do agree. And uh, the director, Carrie Williams, also made uh, last year's uh, R hashtag J and uh, RJ uh, Sila was also in that. Um, mm -hmm. And he, he was he was one of the most more entertaining things about that film. <laughs> I, I don't know. That, was, that movie was, was a bit of a mess and it was so odd. Uh, to see like something completely different, him do something right. that's... Yeah, but he's found his muse. You know, still has a lot of charm, but also has, has a seriousness to it. I didn't feel that much anxiety or uh, found it to be, to, uh, what did you say, stressful, Justin? Um, uh, just hard to watch. I, I just thought that we're, we're going somewhere, but it throws you for a couple loops where you expect something to happen already, and then it kind of, you know, drags it for a bit, which makes it more impactful when... It's a bit subdued when we do get to that resolve of, you know, the, the tension that you feel like is going to have to be just, you know, we're going to get to that point at some uh, at, at some point of the movie. Um, and when it happens, I feel like it, it's done very effectively and not in a cheesy way. Uh, and I kind of it, it kind of eases us in to the characters uh, towards the end. And there's some really strong moments um, just closing the film out. And it was that was honestly one of my like top three, top four movies of the entire festival. I really enjoyed Emerge. Yeah, I agree that the performances were amazing in it. They're definitely some of the best. Let's move on to a movie where I also really, really enjoyed the performances and the directing as well, just everything about it. It's probably the festival highlight, I'd say. And that's uh, Cha Cha Rio Smooth, the second feature from Cooper Rafe after Shithouse. That Shithouse came out at South by Southwest, right? I thought it was a Sundance release, but it did come out at, at, at South by Southwest. Grand Jury Prize and, winner from South by Southwest. Yeah, what a pleasant surprise. I really connected with that film already. So that was kind of my most anticipated of the festival. Uh, so so how did you guys, uh, you know, enjoy Cha Cha Rio? I think it's it's in unison that we, we all kind of really like this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you guys I, I, think? From, my, from what I can tell from your reactions, both of you might have liked it more than I did, but mm -hmm. I did still really like it. Uh, you know, it's it's extremely charming, extremely ple pleasant. Um, there's just a sweetness to the films that Cooper does mm -hmm. that I think really works because his characters aren't like, they're not saccharine, they're not like unrealistically sweet, they're just kind of open-hearted and tender towards each other. And I think he writes in enough flaws and enough, you know, occasional moments of meanness in his mm. characters that it, they still just feel like people. Yeah, it, it's just the <laughs> the open-heartedness of this film and how it takes time to kind of empathize with its characters and give them all moments and really, really kind of, you know, tell the, represent their stories. I just th thought mm -hmm. it was really fun and, you know, He's he's good at this stuff. I'm I'm curious to see how long he can keep it up because I'm I'm here for the Cooper Rafe sweetness cinematic universe. Yeah, keep raving about Rafe, I guess. Uh, no, it's, <laughs> I, I've seen some people compare it to 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 Linklater, and I was like, okay, <laughs> that like for me uh, being the the biggest fan of the Before trilogy, that might be you know a very very high uh, like big compliment uh, towards him. Uh, but I, I feel like he's 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 definitely like in that area of uh, you know really understanding his characters and then. I guess really writing roles that almost couldn't be performed by anyone else because he just has that charm for the characters that he writes and it just, it just kind of work. I was really encapsulated in the in the entire story, uh, the entire way through. Just looking at at people and just 
seeing them and then putting that on screen, it's just, you know, it happens a lot because like that's basically a lot of good cinema. It's just seeing people and then telling their story. But it, it feels so vulnerable at times and um, charming, lovely. There's, there's so many emotions that I felt during this movie where I was surprised like how many times I almost kind of teared up a little bit. Uh, for me, also, it was the only movie that I watched with someone else. I watched all of these movies alone. And I guess you guys pretty much had always had uh, like someone to watch it with. So it was a special, uh, special movie. And it felt like appropriate to watch that and share that with someone. Uh, but yeah, Justin, what about you? I think it's the most charming and, and likable movie of the festival that I could show to really anybody. And they would probably enjoy it at the very least. I think that's exactly why Apple bought it for so much money. Yeah, 15 million, I think, right? Yeah. 10 million less than Coda, but it still might be the, I think it might yeah. be the biggest deal that we're going to see out of. Oh yeah. It'll be the Cause I don't think we've year. had, I don't mm -hmm. think there's anything else mm -hmm. that has knocked people's socks off as much. Like I fully expect this to win the jury prize. Um, mm -hmm. I think it just stands out to the big, the big, uh, I was just, I was just going to say the big money out of Sundance tends to go to these crowd pleasers. You know, it's not necessarily like the masses of Sundance, but it's the, yeah. uh, Coda's that, actually warm people's hearts yep and it's also the like coming of age-ness of the movie that is like sundance's brand it's completely on brand for them like um <laughs> also dakota johnson's really good in it and i was just very very invested in their dynamic and like wanting to see where that goes because it was a little bit unpredictable how it played out and i agree that the movie is like a heaping dose of cooper rafe but i but i think it's hard not it's hard to resist that yeah you want him to start your party, like, by the way, he just is in that movie. Just want him there when, whenever you do something. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to be him. I wanted to be him in the movie, honestly. Yeah, um, yeah. But I also think it's riding, it's going to ride a high out of Sundance, and it might not be as warmly received later by critics. Like, Cole, Cole and I have noticed that it has, like, a 76 on Metacritic, which is good. But we were like, but Cole, Cole made this prediction that I immediately agreed with, which is that when it comes out, it's not going to be as like warmly received by the critics, and it's going to have like a me and Earl and the Dying Girl kind of reception. Well, it was like that. That's a movie that I still love. Like I completely love that movie. But you know, there's some people who are like trying to bring it down, um, or who just don't feel, or just right. like they they hear all the hype out of Sundance, they watch it, and they just don't totally get it. But I don't know. I think I think if for nearly everybody who who did watch it at Sundance, like it's kind of gotten the same, like really warm reception. Zach, what did you find? Or mm -hmm. did you find anything in particular you didn't love about it or that you thought was like not done the right way? I think I was just maybe not as involved with its story as I, I would have liked to have been and the ups and downs of his, like um, his willingness to kind of do the party starter thing and that sort of alcoholism that he's dealing with. I, I don't know if it was as, um, clear of an arc as maybe I would have liked or preferred or something. But like, these are things that are kind of like reasons I didn't love it and only liked it, I guess. Like I, there's nothing I can point to that. I was like, that was bad about this movie. It's just, that was not as great. Like, I also think I preferred shit house and that's maybe just partially because mm -hmm. of its setting, which I found to be a little more, a uh, little more distinct than, than this one. I don't know. It, it still worked <laughs> for me. I honestly got to say, I, I feel safer within shithouse because it's like set within college and it's already like treating it as like this next step in life where you feel lost and you want to connect back with mm -hmm. your parents with, I don't know, connect with someone immediately. So you kind of are safe. And now here you are even more thrown into just adulthood and him being really lost as well, trying to attach himself to someone else, maybe like that whole theme 
really resonated with me a bit, a bit too much, uh, being kind of both things in kind of in college and kind of in between that adult stage. So I was like, okay, I'm completely in. Why do you why do you put me on screen like this? This is this is. Well, I didn't see Shit House, so I didn't know that he, that film was about college, and then this film is about post college, like immediately when you graduate. Yeah, but that's actually really cool. Mm -hmm. He's putting out films like Adele albums right now. His entire career is just <laughs> going to be coming of age. Like at any point, at forty, mm -hmm. it's coming of age. Coming at 40, of different points of age. It's coming of age of forty-five. I'm getting ready to for him to remake in like about fifteen years. This is forty. You know, that that film that wasn't <laughs> wasn't great, but let him redo it. He's already working with Leslie Mann. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like definitely a movie that um, we are going to keep on our radar and uh, going to talk about again once it uh, releases and more people uh, get to to see it. Now, uh, let's move on to to Master, another Amazon production uh, with Regina Hall, uh, Zoe Renee, Amber Gray and uh, Talia Ryder in uh, those um, leading and supporting roles. So. Uh, I think that was also another one that I feel like was a bit was a bit divisive in how mm -hmm. effective it was in its story. Like I connected with a lot of the the themes, uh, which kind of split the narrative between two and maybe three characters, then focused on I guess a sole one, um, more towards the end I'd say. And um, I really enjoyed the themes that I was going for. Uh, I don't know if I was completely on board the entire way through of how it, it was structured and how the story was told, but. Um, what did, what did you guys make of it? So of the 40 plus films that I've seen at this year's Sundance, this is the, Christ. the one that I did not give a star rating to when I logged it on Letterboxd because I'm, yeah. I'm kind of undecided on it. I think there's a lot mm -hmm. here that is really interesting. It's really thought provoking, uh, you know, the just sense of horror in an institution that is traditionally, you know, uh, doesn't have room for uh, minorities, I think kind of mm -hmm. really works in this movie, but like, it, I, I don't know if it all comes together in a way that, that felt justified or felt right. And it, I don't know, like it, it, it's a movie that I found myself kind of puzzling over and really respecting and liking and admiring parts of it. And then just being kind of baffled by other parts of it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have a clean reaction to it, but I was, I was compelled by it. I wasn't bored by it. I was mostly just um, not sure what to make of it. I, I kind of came out of the film with the same reaction. And when I wrote a little short review for it, I basically wrote something that was talking about many things, but it also not, nothing really about the film. Um, so it's really hard to pinpoint down what worked and what didn't work or what I enjoyed. It, it's like uh, it, it's, it's in this in-between state of... Um, having interesting themes that then there are some some weird narrative choices that i didn't mm -hmm. get and i don't know if they have like a meaning to them or if they're just like random it's supposed to symbolize something so i was just a bit perplexed after i watched it i actually really like this one it's one of my favorites mm -hmm. good but i the the part that i see is not working for me as well as the rest of it has to do with the the lore around the campus and how that impacts her life. I felt like that mm. muddied the, you know, when, you, when you're trying to piece together the movie and what it's saying, like that kind of muddies it mm. a little bit. It makes it a little bit harder to connect with when you have that element. Cause it's like, what is that exactly supposed to represent? Cause everything else is really clear to me. Mm -hmm. Like I was saying that, you know, you have like an example of, you know, you have many examples of like real, you know, quote unquote horror. Like there's a burning cross in the movie. So I'm wondering, why do you need mm -hmm. the like supernatural thing? You know, if you have that in your movie, like that actually is enough. And 
but but I like that in the third act, it does kind of abandon the whole like supernatural thing. And it goes straight into what it wants to say and what it really wants to be about. Yeah. So I felt like that actually didn't pull the film down too much for me. It was very, very eye opening by the ending because I mean, I went to college at like a mostly white school. It's basically mm-hmm. about how, you know, black like staff or students are, are aware of all of these things that you, you know, if you're white, like you just you could easily just not see if you don't want to. Right. And I really like the English teacher character they explored um, and how she deals mm-hmm. with the institution and how she copes with that uh, on like a personal level. It was very, very damning for like universities and um, yeah. and how the push for like diversity is like co-opted by these institutions to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. further kind of make people into pawns to advance that cause, but then not actually like do anything about it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the films at Sundance seem to be like reckoning with white supremacy. And this was like one of the films that did that the most um, effectively to me. Yeah, it, it balances different genres in a sense that maybe you aren't too familiar with from typically uh, U.S. films that have only recently, I feel like, branched out a bit more to maybe mesh a couple of genres. Although it, it kind of, I guess, jumps around. And for you, you said it kind of worked for you to go from supernatural back to a more grounded way. And I just wish it had stayed. Oh, I, I do the, wish it stayed grounded. Uh, whole duration. Yeah, that, that's what I think, too. Yeah, I feel like it's very effective in, in what it's what it's doing. Um, so maybe that would have taken away from some of the horror aspects, but it, it still could have been a horror film, even without supernatural elements. There were a couple of films in U.S. dramatic that very easily felt like they could have slipped into midnight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> agreed. Um, maybe the next movie that we're talking about could yep. do that as well. Uh, yep. Nanny. <laughs> so, so let's just continue on that thought, Zach. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I really liked Nanny. Um, I found it to be a really compelling story. I thought uh, mm-hmm. that lead performance from Anna Diop was was also ex- excellent. Um, it's similar to Master in a lot of ways about being a person of color and, and walking through a white world and the ways in which those, uh, whether you want to call them microaggressions or full-on aggressions, manifest in these like horror-like ways. It also has this very interesting um, supernatural kind of lore to it mm-hmm. uh, with this, this folklore aspect. It was haunting. Um, I thought the imagery was really, really evocative and, and uh, has stuck with me. There's a lot of films that were really well shot in this year's Sundance. I'd say this is like among the best of them. Mm-hmm. It's really stuck with me. Uh, I thought it was a very excellent, <laughs> very excellent package story of the, these traumas and trying to, and and this experience too. I, I liked it a lot. I, I agree. The cinematography was a real highlight here. It has, it's just one of the best looking yeah. films mm-hmm. at the festival. And I also think that it does a really good job at making you think. And it does like, it, kind of like Master, it does the social thriller like really, really well. Um, I was a little bit more like confused, you know, what I was supposed to be paying attention to as it was going through the story. And especially like up until the end, like you don't know why she's having all of these like quasi horror things happen to her. And so that kind of gets like, okay, well, what what is it like? Just freaking tell me at some point what's Um, going on. I mean, I like that you find out Mm -hmm. what they all mean and you can like go back and Mm -hmm. put them together. Um, But then there's also again, there's like a supernatural element here where it's it's playing with these forces that are paranormal in her life because they sort of represent something. And that might have been more clear to me on like a second viewing. 
So I think overall it was really good, but it didn't resonate with me as much because I found myself having to like look in different spots to see what it was going for. And um, Mm. yeah, it didn't feel like it came together as cohesively, but I do think it's really strong regardless. And I would actually see this one again because I have been like thinking on it a little bit. And um, yeah, I think me wanting to see it again is usually a a good a sign that it is like a really good and worthwhile movie. So even though I didn't like love it, it it's it's really like worth watching. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say both for Nanny and Master, they're not necessarily films that are like going to be immediately gratifying whether you've rolled credits on them. But yeah, I find they're both films that I've really enjoyed just revisiting in my mind and tossing and turning over them and having a conversation about them. So in that in that way, they're both very worthwhile. Yeah, it's definitely like something that is, is stuck in your head afterwards because you're questioning the real life institutions and like people who further kind of what this movie yeah. is talking about and then uh i sometimes feel like adding a super natural element to it is either for it to to make it easier to sell a story like that that it's not like as heavy put on the burden of you know uh the white supremacy um patriarchal structures that kind of you know make these the problems that they are it's, it's either i guess that to kind of reduce that and you can introduce another element or it's just to have a cool visual style to it to its whole story like in a whole element of of water being um coming up again and again in this film is is probably the thing that I'm gonna remember about it the most. And it was one of the films that didn't resonate with me as well. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, the color palette, how they kind of switched when she was um back with the the love interests uh, mother, and then you know it went back to like really cold blue colors when she was in um their like downtown Manhattan apartment. Uh, that play of like using color to to represent different things, I I I enjoyed quite a bit, but uh, I didn't resonate with the story overall. I f- feel like it was at times for going the the like mystic route uh, a bit too literal. Um, and I, I there I like really preferred how Master approached that whole thing. Um, and in a way it left me puzzled. I was I, I'm I'm more intrigued to to rewatch Master than I guess Nanny. And like if you could put it like that, like what's more interesting to me after um seeing it but yeah that's that's all the movies from the dramatic competition uh that's i mean that's the category where we kind of aligned uh, aligned the most uh there's a couple other films that either just zach has watched i think none of us have seen blood nope i'm Um, catching that today oh you're still seeing that so be on the lookout over on uh, zach's uh letterboxd and uh you're the only one who saw watcher right yeah which had elements that i thought were interesting but was ultimately just like it kind of not it wasn't really surprising and you kind of want mm. a thriller to be surprising or exciting or scary and it was mostly dull unfortunately i was waiting for people's reaction to it because it it did look a bit dull from just the poster i saw and the synopsis i read and then i heard that uh you know the ending didn't resonate with a lot of people i was like ah, might skip out on this one i guess mm-hmm. and then none of you have seen alice is that is that Correct. We put it on while I was cooking dinner yesterday, so I've seen like a little of it. <laughs> You've seen a bit of it. Yeah. You've I, seen I, Antebellum, you've seen Alice. It's, that, it's that you know, the same the story. Yeah, I skipped it because of the reviews. Yeah, I already had a ticket, so I was like, okay, I'll watch this. And I went in with, um, you know, uh, having my expectations kind of met of uh, the, the reactions that I saw from it. And um, it was a bit disappointing because I feel like that story, although it's not well done in Antebellum and it's not well done here, <laughs> there, there is potential. For it to be an interesting story, it just it just was pretty dull and um yeah it, quite disappointing um overall it, it was in some ways it was super cheesy as well it, it was just a weird tonally yeah. in, in balanced and 
what it was going for. And then I believe uh, Zach and I both caught palm trees and power lines, but I, 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 reactions are quite different. I feel uh, I really think you didn't really enjoy it that much, right? Not too much. I, you know, I, I felt like it's covered ground in some ways. I did really enjoy the ending, which I, I won't spoil. But yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was kind of like deliciously complicated. Oh, it, uh, it is. Yeah, I, I won't spoil it as well. But yeah, I I was caught off guard by by the ending. Um, yeah. it, it it was like yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But also no, <laughs> yes, please no. Okay, stop. Please yes, don't. continue. No, it's just so confusing, and it's uh, it, it's it's great. I I really enjoyed it. I um thought it was. I guess it had those similar like Red Rocket vibes. Uh, vibes, I guess you yeah. know that kind of dynamic that it was going for. Red Rocket. You you can't you you can't do it better than Sean Baker. It's it's hard to do that, and Simon yeah. Rex is amazing in that. But I feel like it is it is definitely like the understudy to <laughs> to that movie. It, it's to me still felt like it, it uh, knew its subject matter uh, really well. Um, in the Q and A, the director said that she draw from a lot of her personal experiences. Totally got that from um, the performance and her direction style. It came off very authentic and. I really uh, was surprised by it and uh, in a positive way. So I could only give my warmest recommendations to Palm Trees and Power Lines. I think that covers it <laughs> for uh, the US dramatic competition. So before we move on, I want to give the stage to Christoph Schelb, the editor-in-chief of Outnow.ch and uh, .ch, I guess. Oh my God, I slipped into the <laughs> Germanness in there. But uh, let's hear from his uh, free highlights of this year's Sundance Film Festival. Hey, Quiet On Set podcast listeners. This is Christoph Schelp, editor-in-chief of outnow.ch, which is the biggest movie news website of Switzerland. And I'm here to talk about my three favorite movies of the Sundance Film Festival 2022. First, I would love to mention Chacha Real Smooth, which is the newest movie by Cooper Rafe, who made the movie Shithouse uh, one year ago. And uh, this new movie just has a lot of heart, has a very nice protagonist at the center of it all and just shows a nice people basically being nice to each other, especially after two years of pandemic. It's just really nice just to see that kind of uh, character, these kind of people. And uh, yeah, just being nice to each other reminded me actually a lot of the Paddington movies, which are also like very heartwarming. And uh, yeah, it's just a movie we, I think, in my opinion, is a movie that we need right now just to remind us, let's just be nicer to each other. A totally different kind of worldview presents Duel, which is the newest movie by Riley Stearns, who made the hilarious The Art of Self-Defense um, Dual is set in a future where you can clone yourself when you know you have a terminal illness. So the clone would then make things easier for your relatives you leave behind. But unfortunately, in this scenario, the character played by Karen Gillan finds out after she cloned herself that uh, she's not going to die. So now by law, she has to fight her clone to death. It has a lot of great and dry deadpan humor. A lot of people comparing it to Yorgos Lantimos movies. I agree with that completely. And uh, it has so many absurdist situations that just make me laugh out loud, even though basically in the end, it just like condemns our existence. It's like everything is horrible. Everything is gray, but... I just had a great time with it, with the whole concept and everything. It was really, really smart and well executed. And the last movie I would like to mention is one I wasn't actually planning on seeing. I just did it as a favor to like uh, a colleague. It's a movie called Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. It's, and it's about a widow who just wants good sex. Mm. 
based on that logline, you might understand why I wasn't very keen on watching it. But it's actually very funny and very honest and very clever. It talks about sex, desire, and the cast is just great. Uh, the Widow is played by Emma Thompson and she basically just knocks it out of the park. And the movie is told like with four segments or so like four meetings. The Widow meets this callboy uh, over and over again and how it evolves and everything is just really beautiful to look at. And it's definitely a surprise for me of this year's Sundance Film Festival. Definitely a movie that will show up again on many film festivals. This year it will show in Berlin and I'm pretty sure we're also going to see it later in the year at the Zurich Film Festival. Thank you so much, Christoph, for sharing your highlights of this year's festival. And now let's get back to our conversation with Zach and Justin. Let's look at the spotlight section. Uh, that's the section where um, films that had already screened at other festivals and have not gotten... I guess, a, a theatrical release set. So they're still on the festival run. They do get to screen again um, at these festivals. And we got After Yang, uh, which was uh, a film that premiered at uh, Gun. I believe Cole already mm -hmm. caught it yep. there, right? Um, so Justin, you got to catch up with mm -hmm. it as well. It was honestly my runner-up to <laughs> another movie in the spotlight uh in the spotlight section, it was my favorite of the entire festival and of the entirety of 2021. It's just going to be raving um, like love for both of these films, uh, for The Worst Person in the World and After Yang. But maybe let's talk about uh, After Yang. I really liked After Yang and I also loved um, Columbus. So in my yeah. mind, like Koganata is like a really, really strong two for two. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and he's a really interesting filmmaker. Like his films will be on my most anticipated, you know, every year or... As until until he stops being good. Yeah, I fell in love with that man because after I watched After Yang, I uh, went through like I went on this Vimeo where he has like most of his video essays, and the first mm -hmm. one that popped up was Link Later on Cinema and Time. I was like, okay, <laughs> can I marry this man? Please yeah. give him to me. I want I want him around me all the time. Please just only talk to me. Uh, so <laughs> like instead of watching another film, um, I I stayed up real late and watched pretty much all of the the video essays he's done and. Also, they're all free, so go seek them out. There's some some great uh, montage. It's a good recommendation, though. The, it was just like a really, really beautiful movie, and mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't even expect it to be the way it was. Like just this kind of um meditation on on loss, and uh yeah, I don't know. I, I, so someone else someone else put put it put it in a in a way. It's kind of feels trite to say, but just like what it's like to be alive. Like what does it mean to be alive? Yeah. What does it feel like to be alive? And mm. I, I think sometimes films can say they're about that and they're not really about that but this one actually feels mm. like it it does a good job of giving you um something that's so heady uh just to circle it back to Koganada, i mean how exciting is it that he gave us this which could not be more different in scope or perspective than columbus mm. uh you know just feels like this is a guy who has very very distinct visions for his films and uh, you know, he's obviously two for two. I think this one might have worked for me better than Columbus even just because yeah, its same. its vision is so it feels so distinct and complete and uh, kind of beautiful in terms of what it what it says about the future of how humans try to interact with things like there's just a like the there's an AI that kind of is responsible for a lot of the uh, machinations of the plot. And just the purpose of this family buying this AI is such an interesting idea that I would have watched 
a whole different movie exploring that dynamic, you know, like there's, right, yeah. there's whole movies to be, to exist within moments of this film. And I think that's maybe what I like most about it. Yeah. It, it treats, um, it's, uh, I guess, futuristic setting in a way where it's not like looking down on any of its characters, if they are human or if they are AI, it mm -hmm. just treats them with a lot of respect. And, um, to me, I immediately kind of jumped to comparisons of, of like her, where I thought those characters really come strongly. It's a very different film than, than her, but even there, you're kind of tackling the themes of like loneliness, but he doesn't go for like a specific feeling at the time. Like it's characters are really riddled with what they are actually struggling with. And um, I just really resonated with one of the quotes that Yang, Yang gives, uh, Uh, later in the film where he says there's not something without nothing and i i don't even know what that means it's just like it sounds really beautiful him saying that <laughs> and uh i really liked how uh through the editing i, I don't i don't know if i want to spoil that part of the film but through the editing there's a lot of very effective moments that uh left me very puzzled it, it represented a lot of the time maybe how you remember stuff and how to visually represent that on screen that, that is so difficult because it's always bound to perspective but what if you bind it to someone who's not just one person who's like becomes this you know is like split um, i have to be really quip cryptic without spoiling much of the plot here but it explores so many different things that you could talk about for hours and uh i just love when a movie is able to do that and it's not just uh you know something basic that is already interesting in in our world but it's actually expands upon maybe a, a future uh a future ideas future problems and we get to think about them kind of you know in a sandbox way mm -hmm. <laughs> after we watch this film and i just i just adored the film um and let's talk about the visuals the visuals in this film were also very striking mm -hmm. i i loved uh Uh, just how the camera moved in it and um, especially the production design I thought was really really strong as well. Yeah, also the glasses, like the world that you see when he puts on the glasses is really cool. Like the editing yeah. was great. Mm -hmm. It's a really, really yeah. well-made film. I was about to say the the editing particular, the way that it'll, it'll just sort of float in and out of moments without like calling attention to it is so cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you know how her is used in all these like video essays or just like motivational videos because the footage is so beautiful in it. And you just keep seeing like the recycled yeah, uh -huh. shots of, of like Theodore walking around and being lonely and stuff like this movie is going to have the same exact thing. So get ready for like just looking at these shots over <laughs> and over again, like basic like film stock footage. I'm also interested to see some people use that dancing sequence, which was, you know, <laughs> such awesome. a, a great way to introduce um, these these people and, you know. Still kind of didn't feel like it, it was unbalanced to the overall story. Just a, a great mm. opening to that film. And um, I, I don't know if I remember this correctly, but Zach, wasn't uh, the worst person in the world really high up on, on your list of your favorites of 2021? I ultimately left it off of my list in my video because right. Neon decided to put it out in February. Had they yeah. not, I think I would have had it at number two. I'm just cheating and it's going to be at the top of my of both? 2021 and 2022. I, I don't, I don't, Fair. I could not care less. I did that the same thing with Shiva. It was not at the top of my list, but it was on both lists. I, I love that movie. We already talked about it, I guess, when we talked about uh, uh, Best of 2021. And people have probably already heard our thoughts quite extensively on the film. Still, uh, next week, the episode right after this one, we'll dedicate a whole <laughs> episode to the worst person in the world. So uh, unless you guys have anything else to say about that movie, because I didn't rewatch it at Sundance. Yeah, I didn't uh, either. I'm just keen. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm seeing it tomorrow night <laughs> at a cinema. Uh, nice. So, yeah, actually Tell cinema. Us. not. Yeah, so looking forward to that. 
And um, there were a couple other films that uh, you were able to catch. I believe the two of you saw happening. Yeah, I mean, that's just a really harrowing movie. Uh, it takes place in France in 1963 about a, a woman who is sort of trying to figure out if she can get an abortion. And, um, you know, I think it just succeeds in how it's unsparing in its its gaze. Uh, mm -hmm. It really doesn't it, it doesn't let you kind of avert your eyes from the ugliness of of some of the things that uh, people were forced to resort to based on, you know, certain laws. I, I thought it was extremely right. effective. Yeah, that was a good way to put it. I wouldn't have too much else to add. It was really like the, the cinematography was like striking throughout. Um, and it's really sure. just like mm -hmm. putting you in someone's shoes, whether you want to be there or not for this runtime. But yeah, I won the, the Golden Lion at Venice uh, yeah. earlier this year. So I, I didn't know that. I probably would have put it on my radar um, if I had known that beforehand. Um, but yeah, uh, so, so you guys quite enjoyed it. What do you recommend? Enjoy is the wrong word to use. <laughs> right, for this movie. I have no idea what it's about. I just literally just read the, the long line for the it's first time. I mean, I think most like movie lovers and like people who write about movies, people who watch movies like this are already kind of on one side of the issue anyway. So sometimes I question like what the point is to make an indie movie about that, you know, because like, I mean, people are going to be like very receptive. Like I'm very, very receptive to everything the movie is yeah. offering to me. So there's like that, like, I would say right. it's not going to like surprise you in that way. Like, but um, if this is something you're really passionate about, or you just want to see like really good, good filmmaking, like either one of those is a good reason to watch yeah. the movie. Uh, anyways, let's move on to uh, Neptune Frost. That's uh, a movie that only you caught, Zach. So mm -hmm. is there anything yeah. worthy about Neptune Frost? <laughs> um, this movie is extremely cool. I understood 10% of it and did not enjoy my time watching it, but it doesn't mean it's not <laughs> extremely cool. Right. Uh, the, the soundtrack is great, and I would go from being completely lost and frustrated and wanting to turn it off to being, like, just absolutely grooving. Right. So, yeah, I don't know if I would recommend it. Uh, it sounds crazy. You know, yeah, a sci-fi musical which follows an intersex African hacker, a Colton miner, and the virtual Marvel born as a result of their union. Sounds crazy. <laughs> it is It is crazy. And every time that I felt like maybe I was catching up to its plot, they would just completely change everything that's happening again. <laughs> right. um, it, it's cool. And some people will really enjoy it. I, I, yeah. I don't think I was one of them. <laughs> yeah, I actually watched, me and Cole watched uh, half of that movie. Yeah. And we, turned, we we were like, okay, it's not, it's not like it's a bad movie. But we were just like, we're not going to understand it like by the end. So we just went and watched something else. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah, off right. the walls, like it doesn't care if you know what's going on or not. And it's like all these references to these people being like spiritual beings and like stuff that I just found is impossible to penetrate. But, uh, you know, it might yeah. be, it's, it's probably for some people. So speaking of spiritual things, uh, let's move on to the next category, which is the biggest ones with about 20 movies in them, uh, in the premieres, uh, and about that spirituality, <laughs> what did y'all make of <laughs> honk? For Jesus, save your soul. The second Regina uh, Hall film uh, at the festival, to be noted. She is remarkable in this movie. Uh, I think, you know, if the if the Golden Globes best actress in a comedy was like actually awarding the, the best actresses in a comedy, she'd be a shoe in. Uh -huh. uh, but she's yeah. so, so dynamic and funny and like has emotional depth to her character. Uh, I thought it was absolutely hysterical and biting satire in the beginning, and I felt mm -hmm. like it lost steam as it went along. Um, but it didn't keep me from from enjoying my time with it. I just I think the the satire felt a little less pointed the further the film yeah. went. Can I just copy paste your what you just said? <laughs> that's that's my 
exactly my thoughts on the film as well. Yeah, I just kind of didn't know what the movie was going for after a while. And the comedy sort of it, mm-hmm. it, it like worked for a little bit, but it didn't like sustain the whole movie to me. And so I was like, I don't know what this is trying to do anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a little like overstated it's welcome for me. But I agree, like the performances from Regina Hall and mm-hmm. Sterling K. Brown were like amazing. Yeah, by the time they got to, I guess, you know, the title giving scenes, I kind of tuned out for a bit. Uh, I feel like it was stronger before uh, that like whole thing happened. But but yeah, uh, definitely a uh, an interesting comedy coming out of Sundance. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not uh, like as much of, of a veteran when it comes to uh, to Sundance. I haven't been to as many festivals as you guys have. So is the comedy usually something um, that is that is strong? Have you noticed that from the program? There's a couple strong uh, comedies coming out of the fest. I mean, usually there's some stuff that's that's exciting in terms of comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Palm Springs obviously being the the most recent example of uh, a yeah. great comedy to emerge at Sundance. I I thought that Mother Schmuckers, as bizarre and off putting <laughs> no. as that film was last year, was very Stop. funny. Stop! No, no, just no. <laughs> Please don't. No, but I, 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 I definitely that movie. wouldn't call like Sundance like the comedy festival though. Yeah, yeah. It it was very much a, a, a slam dance movie. It felt like it was supposed to be that, and then they actually got into Sundance and they just created <laughs> that, which is crazy. Let's move on to God's Country, a movie that we might have expected a bit more from, just uh seeing that, you know, uh Thandie Newton was in it. And ultimately I think it was a bit of a letdown for at least uh Zach and myself. Justin, you quite enjoyed it, right? So Yeah, I liked it a lot, but I wasn't sure exactly what it was trying to go for and I had to piece it together kind of after I was done with the movie mm. a little bit like some others that we've been saying I, I yeah. do think this is one of the better like again it it is a really good examination of like white supremacy once again it makes you mm. understand like where like this ca- this world that this character is entering and how it's so hostile towards her the cinematography is like some of the best of the festival and Sandy Newton's performance is really great but I don't know if I like love the direction it went in which was like it became about this like pushing and pulling and um i I, her character actually lost me a little bit i was like why would you go so far out of your way when you know you're in danger like that lost me a little bit so i think that was like the problem i have with the movie but i was like i mean when i was watching it, i was like oh this might be a movie i love and then i just didn't feel like i loved it i liked it by the end yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the setup. Mm-hmm. I feel like it could lead to a place that would be interesting. And then it, it was such a, uh, a letdown for me. And by the end, while I watched it, I still gave it kind of a, a good rating straight afterwards. I was like, no, 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 there must be something that I'm just I'm just missing. And then kind of, you know, kept like roaming around in my head. I was like, no, I actually just didn't enjoy where the story was going. By I, the end yeah, I feel a little similarly. What about you, Zach? Yeah, I, I found the film cold and a little emotionally uninvolving. And while mm. there's a lot of pieces there that seem would certainly add up to something good, it just never really, never really clicked for me. Another film that had a very strong female lead was Emily the Criminal. We got Audrey Plaza um, in the lead role. Uh, maybe, I don't know if, if it's against her type. I don't think she really has a type. It's just like people who've seen like her in two things kind of yeah. think she's this thing. She can do a lot of different things and uh, she, she's great in this. I, I think this was another movie that could be qu- quite uh, like um, crowd-pleasing in a mm-hmm. sense that it uh, it grips you in. It has that like familiar story and puts in a few twists and turns along the way. And uh, it really puts you uh you know into the shoes into her perspective and you're kind of just rooting for her as it goes along so i found myself really entranced um with emily the criminal i liked it quite a bit um i think it it'll land in my top five of sundance i think it's an hmm. extremely effective street crime thriller 
Um, yeah. You know, I, I you mentioned Aubrey Plaza. I, I I think it's fair to call this against type. It is a very kind of like uh, dressed down role. You know, like she does the no makeup thing or less makeup thing, and mm-hmm. I, I think it's cool to see her kind of um, inhabit a character who is. Maybe maybe a little bit more um, down on her luck and a little bit less. Right. She's not somebody who has the ability to move through the world as easily as maybe some of her other characters have, right? She's right. Uh, so it's not like the comedy doesn't come from her indi- indifference uh, towards mm-hmm. things. That's kind of uh, what usually like her. her just um, you know the way she uses her face is is usually mm-hmm. where a lot of the comedy comes from. And here she she's more, I guess, having to use use a character to tell that story. So I guess that would be a bit against um, type yeah. here. But yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I think I generally respond to films that are kind of about discovering you have a calling, in, even if it's <laughs> right. a messed up calling, and yeah. uh, just the way the way in which you dive for deeper and deeper into her process, I found to be really exciting. Um, mm-hmm. I just was I was really like with this movie every step of the way. Yeah, I think it's it should it should be a really easy one for anybody to like. And I don't really have anything bad to say about it. What did you make of Am I OK? I liked it. I thought it was good overall. Um, it didn't like it didn't blow me away, but I can see some people like, it resonates with them very closely because of how relatable they might find it. But I mean, to me, mm-hmm. it, it it did a good job overall. And I don't really have too much to say about it. I think it kind of depends on like the person who's watching it. I think a lot of people will really enjoy this film. I think mm-hmm. it'll probably end up on Hulu or something and will, you know, be recommended by a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of Stan accounts. I kind of felt like uh, none of the characters in this movie talked like real people. Um, right. And <laughs> it's just like, it, like, I don't know. I just, I never really bought them or their, their, their problems. It's tar- charming. Like I'm, I'm charmed by these actors a lot. Um, but I don't know. The, the, something about the writing really, really didn't click with me. Mm, right. Well, I'll, I'll try and give it a, a, a shot as soon as it hopefully becomes available somewhere. I mean, for a lot of these premieres, apart from uh, maybe uh, Genius that is get, going over to Netflix and uh, La Guerra Civil, who's on on the zone, um, there, there's a lot of them that don't really have uh, a release date. Like, let's say about half of those 20 films, there's, there's a couple that are produced and. Uh, we won't get to all of them because there's there's quite a few. Uh, but maybe there's there's a few more that we could uh, mention. Um, is there any one of those that uh, sticks out to you that deserve to be talked about? Oh yeah, maybe good luck to you, Leo Grande. <laughs> Another one. Yeah, I, I mean that one just got picked up by uh, Searchlight Hulu, or yeah. Hulu, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, we kind of just threw it on to be something easy to watch early in the day, mm. um, and I just found myself more and more taken by it. Uh, I'm, I am a sucker for a two-hander like this or a bottle movie, and I think it does it in a really effective way. Uh, it just, you know, it, it helps a lot to have Emma Thompson as your lead because she is just forever charming. I thought it was more interesting than its premise. I gave its premise credit for. I thought it was mm-hmm. more thoughtful and just interested in these characters and in explore, exploring, like, who these people would be, so... I liked yeah. it a lot. I, I think people are going to really resonate with this one. Yeah. Yeah. I also liked it a lot. I feel like I'm 14 when he said it's a two-hander and the sex work. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say from the list that uh, I also really liked Resurrection and When You Finish Saving the World. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I missed that. I also saw When You Finish Saving the World. It was just like at the bottom because it's a W. No V. We established that. There's no <laughs> exactly. V in uh, the Sundance v selection. Uh, we got we got to make a movie that's V so we can actually shout your movie uh, shout your name out right <laughs> should yeah. be a priority you know yeah. representation um, also for the entire alphabet 
Exactly. Um, yeah. I also really loved When You Finished Saving the World. That actually might be my favorite from this year's yeah. Sundance. And I know uh, that it was divisive for some people, but I just mm-hmm. found it to be a really compelling portrait of uh, self-centered characters in a way that isn't necessarily, you know, condemning them for their their narcissism, but uh, understanding that that's kind of a, a consequence of a lot of modern life. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's a, a perspective that I haven't really seen in film. Uh, and I, I thought it was really charming and affecting. Uh, I, I think both Finn Wolfhard and Julianne Moore are really good at leaning into some of those unlikable aspects without necessarily making them just like hard to watch. You know, it's just kind of mm-hmm. maybe hard to watch is the wrong way of putting it, but like it's not entertaining, you know. Um, yeah, the, I, I it, thought that's something that uh, I think Amanda mentioned when you talked about the film on on um, after credits, is it called, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, she said something that this is a little bit of like that type of content creation that you do that you you know see in film Wolfards those those little things that resonate with maybe with you and it's like put to the hyperbole of how cringy he is but it's maybe more the like the intrinsic stuff of what you tend to think about and what 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 you do and he just puts it all outward <laughs> into the world and you're like oh just stop doing that it's so awkward stop it i like movies where i i love to hate the uh like love to dislike i guess the lead characters but i can still see where they're coming from um and they're just maybe oblivious that you know a bit naive as well uh and then when it also questions that when it then they have the opportunity to become better and then it's met with ignorance and maybe why and where that comes from so uh, I wasn't the biggest fan when I stopped it after my first watch, but I would definitely give it a rewatch and mm-hmm. I would probably reconsider uh, how I think about it uh, when I see it again. Yeah, Zach, I'm really glad you yeah. liked that movie a lot because when I finished it, I was like, that was great. And then I went and looked at the reactions and I was like, oh, what? Right? Like, what's going on <laughs> here? Hating it. Um, yeah. I, did we just watch a different yeah. movie? Or Because <laughs> I agree, like it. I want to see movies about people who are self-absorbed. Like, I don't think, I, I just don't think that's a bad thing. And, but by the end, like the, the thing that stuck with me was that the, I, I could see myself in the characters. It's like, a, it can be a little bit enlightening for like, oh, we're all kind of this way. Mm-hmm. And I don't, yeah. I don't know if that's like, if, if that's hard for people to like get on board with, like that idea that we're actually all kind of like that. And then we're all like living in our own worlds with our own like value systems, trying to piece other people into it. Yeah. Um. But I thought like that message came across like really strong for me, and I was like, wow, that I didn't, I didn't even you know necessarily see that coming. But I was like, the criticism, um, like beyond me just thinking like, oh, people didn't understand. It was you know maybe some people saw where it was going early on, and it just like didn't really surprise them. But yeah, I really liked that one. Yeah, Zach, we we'd love to hear from you. What did you think about? Is it the first part of that trilogy that they shared with? Uh, Genius the, Genius, the Kanye trilogy. Yeah. Genius, Genius the yeah. Kanye trilogy. Uh, yeah, so it was only part one. Uh, unfortunately, we did not get the four and a half hour version. Um, that being said, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. It's kind of everything that I wanted in a Kanye documentary in terms of giving you all this behind the scenes footage, giving you kind of like the the early years and uh, mm-hmm. all the all the like little drop-ins from big names that you want to see. You know, there's a, a <laughs> awesome scene of him and most deaf rapping two words, acapella, just like like mm. awesome, awesome. Like the, the nerd shit that you really want if you're a Kanye nerd. <laughs> um, honestly, yeah. honestly, my only critique of it right now is they they do dive so deep into part one and part right. one when part one ends he hasn't even released an album yet mm. are they supposed to cover all the albums in just part two and part three like i think it's just the first album right are they or, just or am i mistaken I, I think 
because the movie opens in 2020 and they, they say that they're going to go to Wyoming at some point, which is which is recent. So that, if this if yeah. the documentary is really giving you 20 years of Kanye, as they kind of attest to in the opening of it, I, I'm going to I'm really kind of confused how they're going to do that. They're going at a very snail's pace. Yeah, which I love. Kanye's trilogy part one and we'll get yeah. five or something. That's the thing. I, I need I need the six part <laughs> trilogy for, for whatever. Yeah, reason. yeah. For someone like I uh, recently made um, a few New Year's resolutions that are very in line with, uh, you know, absorbing more content that I kind of missed out on. So I was never someone who listened like to a ton of music or mm. to the entire album of a, of an artist. So it, it was kind of it was very tempting to watch that first part and not wait until it releases on Netflix because January was Kanye month and I listened to I'm not I'm not done with all of his albums yet but I listened through all of them like chronologically it was a great experience basically easing me into I guess uh, enjoying that that uh, documentary to the fullest so yeah I'm I'm very keen to um dive deep into the BTS of uh, everything Kanye. I saw that both of you have seen uh, Living and I kind of want to hear your thoughts. I know it's been picked up by uh, Sony or uh, Sony Pictures Columbia, right? Yeah, uh, Sony Pictures and... Classics. Ah, uh, Classics, okay. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a remake of Akira Kurosawa's Ikiru. That being like in my probably top five, at least top 10 of all time, I adore that film. So uh, I kind of want to know if they if they at least did it somewhat justice. I don't think they could do, but but yeah, how did how did you enjoy that movie? Yeah, this was one that I watched like at eleven p.m. and and did not have a whole lot of energy for. So I'd I'd like to hear Justin's right. opinions because I, I I liked it, but I don't think I fully fully absorbed it. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I fully absorbed it either. But it was almost because I didn't. I I was like I don't know if I just care that much about this in general. Um, like especially from the beginning, I was like, oh, mm -hmm. this is like just some British like costume thing. And I'm just like tired of this. I don't want this, but it's very it, it was good enough. It was good enough that like it did actually reel me in. It's not bad, but I just didn't care that much. Like mm -hmm. I, I kind of get what the movie is before I go and see it. And I'm like, okay, it's, it does a good job of being that, but mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's going to uh, be in your top 10 of all time. I think it makes like a fine <laughs> yeah. movie out of the original, which I actually didn't see, but Cole saw the original. That's how he feels. Oh, you haven't seen. Yeah. I need. I'm just, gonna see just, it. I'm gonna see just, it. I got it. I gotta get you to see it. It is. It is. Uh, you gotta be in for for quite a journey. I don't know. It left me weeping mm -hmm. by the end. Like not many movies. Like I, I I I do get emotional. Like I do get emotionally touched by movies quite easily if they resonate with me. But like where I'm actually just like pausing the film and just like mm. <laughs> put my hands yourself. on my on my head and just like Jesus, what what? It'd be what? it'd be interesting to watch that movie after this one. And see like how much better it, this premise could be. Yes, I'm very glad that Final Cut uh dropped down on Sundance because I don't know if I could stomach two Japanese remakes kind of butchered. I guess that one was done by a French filmmaker, right? Uh, Michel Hazelvisius, who did yeah, the artist. So, right, he did the artist. So I, I haven't seen the artist yet, so I I don't know if I like his movies. Uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> hold both of these movies quite dear to my heart, so I don't, yeah. know. I don't know. I'm the biggest fan of the recent develops, uh, development of constant either remakes of rehash properties and IPs from 20 years ago, or just yeah. twisting and yoinking from from other uh, yeah other successful movies. Um, is there anything else in the premiere section uh, that you'd want to shout out? I would just circle back to, to Resurrection and say that if that movie mm. was playing in Midnight, it would have been my favorite Midnight movie. I thought it was right. extremely effective, uh, extremely cool. And I think Rebecca Hall is giving a better performance than everybody who's going to be nominated for an Oscar next month. Uh, 
there's there's a monologue in that movie that's so that's absolutely killer right okay. yeah she's good enough to get a nomination i don't know if i could say she's better than a couple of people i love in that category but she is as good <laughs> she is definitely good enough that i would love to see it if that could happen but i don't know if it would for this movie like for this movie i don't know exactly, but it's, yeah. but i also like thought the movie itself was really good it kind of has like a cronenberg mm-hmm. thing going on towards the end so that will put some people off but um it, it, it in terms of what it was trying to be about and where it went in order to you know say what it wanted to i i like i was very on board mm. uh there's a couple other movies that premiered in the premieres section uh for a movie like called jane you already have a video up on the oscar expert channel so if you want to hear uh justin's thought you thoughts you can head over there uh there were a couple other ones like downfall the case against uh boying uh, that one's coming to uh, Netflix yet later this year. Be a little, maybe this is a little inside baseball, but they gave me the screener for that on their Netflix platform, which makes me think oh. that that movie's going to be out like in a month or two. Yeah. Oh, actually, that I'll continue, but I'll, I'll check if that's uh, if I can see that one already on Netflix on on my side as well because I didn't see Genius yet. It didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, it's noted, but like no release date for it. Right. But the release date for Genius is mid uh, February. Is it February sixteenth? Uh, Something like yeah, that. That's very soon, yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, then uh, there's also La uh, Guerra Civil. That was the first movie I caught uh, at Sundance. And I feel like it was a pretty solid sports uh, doc. Zach, yeah. do you have anything yeah, to I add mean, there? You know, it's one of the one of the cases where um, are you going to review a documentary for its filmmaking or are you going to review it for its content? And like, there's not really a whole lot to comment on the filmmaking here. It's very standard, but yeah. the content's really good. Um, right. And especially if you're interested in this story, I think, I think there's a lot to, a lot to like about La Guerra Civil. Uh, rapid fire question back at you, Zach. Uh, is Lucy and Desi better than uh, being the Ricardos? Way better than being the Ricardos and covers <laughs> everything that being the Ricardos does. Uh, yeah. Right. I, I was expecting something very standard because I think typically when you get these actors turned directors making a documentary. They're like, it's just like, I, I wanted to talk about something I like, and they're not necessarily mm-hmm. approaching it from like a documentary filmmaker standpoint. But I thought there were some artful choices in how uh, Polar approached Lucy and Desi. Mm-hmm. And then uh, both of us called Sharp Stick, but I don't really have anything nice to say about it. So I'll probably just like, we won't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Move past it. It was a bit of a, of a misstep. I don't know. Wasn't big on it. It was just a bit, bit much and a bit nothing. You also caught To the End uh, from Rachel Lurz, who did uh, Knock Down the House previously. You know, it's a it's an interesting documentary about uh, environmental activists. My whole thing with it is it feels so pre- like current that I almost mm-hmm. wonder if it's if it is a good subject for this type of approach. Like they're talking right. about a, a key point in this documentary is the infrastructure bill vote and Joe Manchin's whole, uh, um, you know, resistance to to being on board with it it's stuff we're like currently dealing with like that's not resolved um so you know it's interesting the characters are interesting i kind of just feel like it's maybe almost like five years too early to make this movie (laughs) (laughs) right okay well not not having the the enough distance between its actual subject to completely kind of you know i guess so is it like a type of movie that's really trying to stir you in a direction as well as as like what it, what it is trying to say so like yeah, it wants I mean, to be really current if you've seen knock down the house i think you're familiar with the the tonal approach that a documentary like this is taking yeah. like it's not 
it, it is already kind of decided which side of the issue it's on. It's not trying to pretend. Oh, yeah. I think it's just trying to be informative and give you the thing that Rachel Lears does well, I think, is give you sort of an intimacy with the people who are working in these systems to, to show you what it what it is sort of like emotionally and physically like to fight for climate change reform. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Not just the, the statistics of it. Right. Uh, yeah, I think that covers it pretty much from all the, the premieres, that big section. Um, and we'll we'll kind of, you know, jump through the U.S. documentary competition and then afterwards also the World Cinema, uh, World Cinema um, documentary, sorry, co uh, competition. But th there's two movies that uh, both of you saw that are probably worth mentioning. Um, the first one being uh, Fire of Love that uh, I saw that um, both of you quite liked, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, that one's getting a lot of love out of Sundance. Like it's definitely one of the best received documentaries. I don't think I loved it as much as everybody else did. I, although I liked it a lot. Like, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. It just didn't, like, knock my absolute mm. socks off. I'll admit that a lot of my love for this this movie is being a little kid at, at it and just, like, feeling like a child just watching Lava and being like, that is the dopest thing. That is the coolest thing you can put in a movie. Like, more more Lava movies, please. <laughs> um, they're, they're very interesting characters. I, I, I think I also really like the approach in the filmmaking, the, uh, sort of meditative atmospheric Miranda July voiceover that could kind of put you to sleep, but is also kind of really interesting. This one worked for me. It's not, I don't think it's going to be like a life-changing documentary for mm -hmm. anybody unless you're an aspiring volcanologist, but I like <laughs> it a lot. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up like in the running for best documentary at the Oscars, at least on the right. short list as well. Yeah. Uh, and the both of you also called uh, Descendant. Um, so can you tell us about that? I mean, that's a really fascinating film as well um, about this community um, around the last illegal slave trade and sort mm. of the search for the slave ship. Um, I think the thing that's really remarkable in it is the way that they kind of follow these different people and uh, seeing them interact and kind of reckon with the legacy of it. It's it's a very fascinating documentary. Yeah, I really love Descendant. It's actually one of my very favorites. And there's just a lot in, in this smaller story that relates to like the larger conversation we're having, like the whole reckoning we're having with slavery and what it means today. Like this film just draws the lines directly from like mm -hmm. that slave ship to where those people are located right now. And then to also work, like which people profited off of the, the slave trade and then where they're at right now mm. and how they're actually in a battle with the same people. And you don't, I don't think you see that illustrated so clearly very often. Like racism is like a hard thing for some people to understand. Like mm. obviously depending on your race and where you live, like people don't understand how it works or like why that's relevant. Like people have a hard time like putting their head around it. This movie makes it like really, really clear how that works. And yeah, and I, I also saw it as like a microcosm of, of what's going on. So that was like really powerful and eye-opening. I was taking notes during that movie. You, usually, you don't usually take notes or like... It was like not just notes on the movie. It was like notes that I... Like things that I wanted to remember. Right, like yeah. really things that I thought were important that I that I wanted to like keep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Zach, you called Aftershock as well? Yeah, that I thought was a remarkable documentary. There's not a whole lot that's innovative about its form, but the testimony and the statistics... Uh, that they present are just so so moving. Um, mm -hmm. It's all you know talking about a really serious issue in terms of the the uh, disparity in medical treatment that Black women in particular receive in the medical community, and um, it, I, I just found it to be extremely effective, um, extremely moving. I you know it, it's hard to not be moved by testimony from widowed fathers 
but I think it, what I like about it is that sometimes you get an issue movie and it feels like they're hitting the issue again and again and again, like in the same way, like to circle back to Boeing, that was one of my uh, issues with it is I felt like they were repeating the same idea a lot. Mm -hmm. And Aftershock had enough depth in terms of the, the different aspects to this uh, issue that it remained compelling through the entire uh, documentary. That was the other movie that had me like taking notes. <laughs> yeah, I really, really like that movie also. Yeah, it's great, right? Yeah, very eye opening again. Yeah, like, I mean, d between that and Descendant, like Descendant was Descendant was more artfully like shot. Like it had, you know, really great. It, it had really nice cinematography. This one was a little more standard, but they're each in their own way, like really powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you're making me regret not catching a single movie from the U.S. documentary <laughs> competition. <laughs> I just wish I had more time and, and more money to spend to watch right. more films. It's, uh, but uh, yeah, glad, glad that uh, we still get to hear um, your experiences. And um, I believe there's one last one that, uh, Zag, you just caught recently. Uh, I didn't see you there. Yeah, I caught I didn't see you there last night. Uh, it's a really interesting film in terms of how it was shot. Um, because it's shot by this disabled filmmaker who's using kind of like a, a rolly camera uh, to, to help him. Um, and I think the thing that's really interesting is, it, you know, a lot of times you talk about how film can give you a different perspective on the world or you can see things through a different person's eyes. But it's very literal here. You know, you're mm -hmm. you're seeing uh, his perspective of the world, whether that's the the difficulties it takes just navigating a city, navigating the subway system as a person in a wheelchair. Or it's the, you know, the interesting patterns that he sees in the world or like, uh, you know, the way that the gates line up and go by. It, it, I think it's a very it's a very compelling movie. It's it's slow moving, kind of intentionally. So it's it's a mood. Um, but there's a lot of really interesting shots in it, too. Um, honestly, made me a little bit dizzy, but right. it's, it's compelling. Did none of us catch a TikTok boom? I did. I got a screener for it. Oh, uh, oh you did? It, oh. Yeah, it belongs on CNN. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> the best I can say for it. Yeah, I, I was wondering if they just adjusted the title after the success of Tick Tick Boom and <laughs> banking on people to misspell TikTok. Right. Uh, tick, geez, I'm doing it in my mind right now. Exactly. CNN, you got it. got you. No, wait, it's not, not produced by CNN, but <laughs> you get, it will be. You get what I'm saying. Um, uh, but yeah, I guess uh, it's what I was expecting from a movie like that. I just had hopes maybe it is interesting, but it's probably better like video essays on YouTube about that For type sure. of like social media stuff that you need an immediate turnaround. You don't need to see it at Sundance. It's probably going to be too late by the time you talk about it. Uh, but let's move on to the World Cinema Dramatic Competition. And we got one movie that all of us caught over there, and that was uh, You Won't Be Alone, starring Nomi uh, Rapace. I'm butchering her name probably, but uh, I really enjoyed her in Lamb. Uh, and now she's back at least for a little while in this movie. And uh, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I caught this one, I think, at uh, 5 a.m. my time. Um, and I had to go to work right after. It was like, I think, I don't know, I can't remember if it was a Monday. And I had to go to work at 7, uh, and I just was not in for it. So maybe you guys have a better perspective on uh, if that movie was, if it was good or, or not. I, I, I don't know. I'm really unsure about it. God, Zach. I mean, I thought it was extremely unique in terms of its approach. Uh, I, I, I thought the, I've never quite seen this sort of like, 
shape-shifting transformational thing. And Mm -hmm. I think the thing that I really liked about it is how it was less about maybe the the supernatural or the lore or whatever you want to call it than it is just sort of about, like, the lived-in experience of this character learning Mm -hmm. the world through through occupying different people, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I I forget who it was who said this is... uh, Terrence Malick doing an A24 film, but that just feels like the most apt description. Terrence Malick you know? and the Witch. Just not thinking about it too much, it, it yeah. does kind of make sense, yeah. Yeah, I, get yeah, I liked it. I think, to be fair, there's probably a, a little bit that I don't, that I didn't get on the first viewing that I might get afterwards. Like, especially the ending had me thinking, like, oh, did I miss a couple things? Uh, I can see some people loving it. Yeah, I um, liked it overall, and I didn't love it. I guess it got a little bit redundant to me. It's it's very, it's very much yeah. just like trying to be yeah. poetry. Um, it is not really a horror movie besides like the presence of witches and there being some gore. No, just like look at that witch, witch's makeup. It is. Yeah, I didn't love it, the makeup for the witch either. It was <laughs> the, the, the makeup for the witch was was kind of funny to me. And I don't know if that. But it was really well shot. I, I don't know if that was like on purpose or not. I just. Yeah. It, yeah. It had some. Yeah. Like the cinematography was great. And I would look out for the filmmaker in the future. So it was worth seeing. Zach, uh, you and I both caught Girl Picture, right? Justin, you didn't catch that one? I didn't, but it was on my radar. I definitely wondered, um, you should keep on your radar. It was it was a very pleasant surprise to me. Uh, I, I kind of enjoyed the the whole like thing of Sundance, you know, like you said uh, earlier, Zach, of um, this coming of age theme. Uh, that's some something kind of lurking over the, the whole festival is just that that's all this movie is. And it is so un- unapologetically just that, that... Um, I had a great time with it, uh, although I didn't really take something like away from it all. It was just like just that coming of age. But I feel like it's OK if it's uh, trying to like just be authentic. And I also found it refreshing that we don't really have like the dramatic tension come from an outside force that is like the predictable thing that it's like going to be uh, as you would maybe expect it to be in this film It is like other stuff. It is more like the inner nature and the inner troubles of, of these characters that they are fighting. And I thought that was. Um, nice to see. And I, I was expecting it to go into a different route and then it's stuck on that. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. A lot of times in these movies, they are caricatures and not really characters. You know, it's like, yeah. she's the brainy one. She's the rebel. And that I, I didn't feel that way at all with this. Like it's, it's really trying to give you, um, like you were saying, like the very authentic experience of these characters. I mean, it, it does lean into it, but it doesn't right. occur. Like it's not a full character, but it's there's still those a bit of the ter- stereotypes that it plays with. Mm-hmm. And then um, I feel like it also does a good job uh, similar to not not as 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 much like leaning into the same character tropes of when you finish saving the world, but it does have the unlikability for certain characters and and the stuff that they do they do to each other. And I thought that uh that hit hard at certain moments where you f- really feel for both parties involved, and you're just like you know why are you doing certain things? Just just get along, and it's uh it feels really you're authentic because sometimes sometimes um people just do dumb stuff, and you're like why are you doing that? And then they just oftentimes movies fall movies fall into that like kind of um that structure of uh, kind of doing things similarly, and it's always refreshing when you're thrown for a bit of a loop. And then uh, the both of you caught uh, Leonor, and Leonor will never die. Uh, what can you tell me about that movie? I was extremely charmed by it. I think there's just a playfulness at work in this film that is really refreshing and really exciting. Um, it, it just makes a lot of choices, a lot of meta choices that are, are, are fun to see play out and fun to kind of see how the filmmaker deals with the consequences on them. And I, I could see some people thinking that maybe the film uh, spins itself out of control by the end, but when it kind of does 
become even more about itself than it already started out to begin with. I, that was just delightful for me. I, I really, really enjoyed this one. I had a hard time getting into it. So to be honest, I actually skipped like the middle because I heard that the last act was good. So uh, I was like mm-hmm. thinking about, OK, maybe I should just skip this one. Like maybe it's not for me. So then I just went to the end to see how what happens. And I was like, whoa, what the, what the fuck is this movie becoming? <laughs> so if you want that kind of reaction to a movie like it, it's really good for that. It's very, very like silly and off the walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, overall, I was like, OK, that that's that's a good yes. one. Like I, it definitely won me over for that, even though, to be fair, I did not watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched like half of it overall, like just cut out the middle chunk. <laughs> Right, and then uh, the both of you also caught uh, Mars One. <laughs> Did you catch the entirety of that film? Yes, or? I caught the <laughs> I caught the whole thing in there. <laughs> Good for me. Pat myself on the back. I do think it comes together pretty well in the in the end. Uh, it's kind of this quiet drama. Like I think if it was in America, we call it like a suburban drama or something like that. Uh, right, and it's it's much less about the politics than the the premise that Sundance wrote. I, I think led me to believe, but I think in some of the ways and just how the characters kind of. Uh, resolved towards the end just felt felt very uh touching and and true and i don't know i think i think it was a it was a good story not necessarily anything remarkable not something that's going to be you know in the hunt for best foreign film at the oscars but it's solid Mm. yeah and then um i guess i think we can move on to the world cinema documentary competition um all the movies that we saw there was just well i guess it was just zach who who caught most of the films i was there uh, any particular highlight from uh, that section? House Made of Splinters is really mm. depressing, but um, just in- incredible in terms of what they're showing you of the, the, the stories of these children kind of in flux. Uh, that, yeah, uh, that one is remarkable. Uh, mm. Nothing nothing compares I liked just as a look at Sinead O'Connor's career. Uh, Sirens was solid as well, but the ones that really stuck out to me were Tantura, The Territory, and We Met in Virtual Reality. Tantura mm-hmm. is just this really remarkable uh, <laughs> exploration of the, this this tragic event and the unwillingness of the people involved involved uh, to reckon with what happened. Um, I, I think you know, in terms mm-hmm. of films that have been made about the Israeli-Palestinian conflicts, this is right up there with like the most essential of them. Right. The territory, also an amazing film about this struggle in the Amazon. Uh, it, it, there's some amazing shots in it too, but also just like the, it, by the end, it takes on the form of a thriller in many ways. Uh, it, it's really, really amazing uh, mm-hmm. documentary work. And then I think my standout from this category though, was we met in virtual reality. Uh, which was shot entirely in virtual reality, stunningly. I think the the highest praise that I could give it is that it it was shot completely uh, in live action. I think I would like it just as much because it really does, I think, get, get you these int- very intriguing profiles of these different people and what's brought them to come together in this, you know, virtual reality world. Uh, it's more than just the gimmick that I was worried it might be. It's genuinely moving. Yeah, out of the two possibly gimmicky movies from... TikTok boom to we met in virtual reality. Go with the latter one. Uh, I'll, sure. I'll note that. Uh, I the only movie I caught from this section was Midwives because I was uh, preparing for an interview I did with the director and producer of the film. Nice. Uh, go check that out if you are interested. Uh, I think it's it's one of those movies, especially like from the categories. A lot of them kind of uh, fly under the radar for a lot of people. Uh, I thought it was a pretty solid uh, documentary about. Uh, about Burmese people, about Myanmar and the conflict between Buddhists and um, and Muslim people, and um, just a pretty much like um, 
you know, it's similar to, to like a genocide happening there. And it's like, what? I never heard of all the, that conflict. I just never heard of it. And it was kind of eye-opening to be thrown into that world. For a lot of these, uh, I don't think, um, apart from um, the territory who's uh, uh, that got picked up by National Geographic, I don't think any of these have a, um, a distributor yet. That's, yet. Uh, yeah, for a lot of those, that's the issue. Um, speaking of um, things that, you know, you're kind of making it in the industry, that's why uh, Sundance has, has a section dedicated to the filmmakers who are doing the next stuff uh, in the filmmaking sphere. And uh, a movie in that category that we all caught was Something in the Dirt. And I'm, I'm really curious because there's also like a lot of varying opinions um, on, on, on either side kind of advocating for and against the film. So where did you guys land on Something in the Dirt? I really, really liked uh, Something in the Dirt. No, I know not everybody did, but I was yeah. extremely into it. I, I thought it was exciting uh, and, and unexpected. Uh, I, I kind of, I'm really here for the rabbit hole diving existentialist approach to sci-fi. Sci like I just, I was really into all the different uh, tangents that Benson and Moorhead wanted to take us on. And mm -hmm. I do think that ends up slowing the pace of the film in the middle. Like it, it meanders a lot, but it's the type of meandering that I really personally enjoy. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just, it kind of really worked for me, especially like when it would kind of brush up against the fourth wall. I, I hope these guys can make these scrappy little films forever, even if they, you know, get sucked into the Marvel stratosphere. Yeah. I also really like this movie and I love that. I like the scrappier style to it and that it seemed like two guys, you know, doing what they could with like a, a very minimal you know i don't know if they had like any budget at all like they may they you know certainly a post-production budget but it's like they were doing this with with nothing which is really cool to see and yeah it was, it was like a really good time with it i think it'd be interesting to watch again and see if i view it differently but it's kind of a movie you could take you could have a different takeaway uh depending on your reading of it yeah really enjoyed it yeah, I was just a bit annoyed at the characters at times. I thought that, like they were just kind of loosely strung together uh, by the plot. And maybe that was the point of them like not being kind of consistent and the whole meta-ness of like them creating a movie about them making a movie in the movie and how they reshoot things and then the whole thing being shot and being fake. Like that whole like theme is super interesting to me. I just didn't care for exploring it and actually thinking about it too much. And all the, the more fun moments didn't really resonate with me as well. Um, because to me, like they didn't have the Cooper Rafe type of jar charm that I was just enduring their conversations that they have. It was just like, okay, I've had enough. Can we move on? So <laughs> I, maybe I wasn't the right audience for the film. I, I thought that Synchronic, the previous film, uh, was, was, was quite decent. I enjoyed that one. And I mean, I, I like that they just go for like crazy stuff that no one else was go for. And instead of going bigger, they shoot a film during COVID with all these restrictions. Basically, it's just mainly set all in one room. And it's, it's amazing that they can make it at least for a lot of people engaging. For, for me, not as much, but I feel like mm -hmm. a lot of people were really engaged with it. And um, that's super impressive. Yeah. In terms of COVID movies are concerned, like this is for me among my favorites. Like if you can mm -hmm. take your limitations and kind of make that a feature. I think that's what you have to do as a filmmaker. Yeah. 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 Especially, I mean, that's, that's the whole next section is basically that, you know, yeah. you have your limitations. How do you work around them? So it's, it's a perfect showcase for what you can do um, as an upcoming filmmaker. Are there any other films in this section that uh, stood out to you? Um, you know, Riotsville is an interesting film. Um, I, I've seen a lot of people compare it to All Light Everywhere because it's got, um, a bit of the Theo Anthony-esque approach 
to it. Right. I, I don't know if I, I liked it quite as much, um, but it, it certainly it's it's a definitely compelling uh, documentary, especially like if you're you're into the idea of how did police forces become militarized in the way that they currently are. I believe uh, Justin, you guys already did a review over on the Oscar Expert channel for a love song. So if people want to hear your thoughts, mm. they can uh, head on over there. And uh, let's move on to the final section that we're looking at today uh, with one of the biggest films coming out of the festival, uh, resonating with a lot of people, getting a lot of hype. In the midnight section, uh, we got Fresh which is one of the movies that already has a release date, March 4th. It was bought by Searchlight. I don't know if they produced No, they didn't produce it, right? They bought it. Yeah, they bought it before the festival even started. Exactly. And it's just funny that it says, like, it's got to go on the Disney streaming service, which is obviously <laughs> just Hulu, I assume, um, I guess. Maybe internationally <laughs> it'll be on Disney Plus, though. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we, we are getting some crazy stuff on Disney Plus, I, I can tell you. That's some <laughs> some weird weird stuff that like, ah, oh, that's the Disney brand they want to associate with this? Okay. Okay, I see you're kind of putting your toes in, into unknown waters over here. But where did you land on on, on Fresh? Where, how, how delicious did you uh, find it? <laughs> um, I was a little more mixed on it than I think some people. Mm -hmm. I think it took a little while to kind of get into the meaty um, horror aspects that you'd like to see. Um, right. But, you know, it, it was a comp it, it was interesting. I I think maybe I also saw where it was going a little bit too soon that it wasn't like when it kind of revealed what it what the plot really is. It wasn't like this big, exciting twist to me. It was kind of like, all right, all right, come on, let's let's see some action. Um, no, but this I, is I, the movie to recommend to someone who has no idea what they're yes, going in for. for it's, sure. it's, it's fun. It, I feel like that's going to be a lot of fun to to recommend it to people who have no idea what's yeah. it about. I thought the finale was very satisfying, though. That's really yeah. all I have to say about it is that it was like very fun. I could see a lot of people enjoying it on Netflix, and yeah, it was just a good time. It yeah. Was also, I, I, but I did actually think it was a little better than that. Like it, it was really well shot, and I liked the production design. So it was like mm -hmm. it kept me pretty mm -hmm. engaged throughout. Yeah. Shouts to whoever made those props. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to me, it's also like whatever thing Daisy Edgar Jones is in in the future, just because I saw her in Normal, Normal People and I adore that uh, miniseries. I'm currently reading through uh, the the original novel it's based on. I just kind of am entranced with whatever she does. And uh, I, I thought she did. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the worst person to judge this. But I thought that her American accent was was very solid. Uh, I didn't really question, yeah. you know, that was, it was very well done. Some people were talking about the, the middle part of the movie kind of sl uh, sloping down and slowing down a bit. Um, I was, I was pretty much engaged the, the entire way through, but that ex explosive finale is really uh, a, a highlight of the whole thing. Um, and it, it solidifies it in the horror genre, like fully, you know, is there anything else from the midnight section that you'd want to shout out? I really enjoyed hatching as a creature feature. Um, you know, I think it was a kind of unique idea for a horror monster and it, it evolves interestingly. Um, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily like the the deepest story. I'm sure there's more there, but I just in terms of the, the effects and giving you kind of like some nasty visuals, I thought it was satisfying. And I also really mm -hmm. like Meet Me in the Bathroom, but that that's a completely different thing. I mean, that's a music documentary. <laughs> yeah. Interesting to have a music documentary in the midnight section. And I guess the only only thing you caught, uh, Justin, was Speak No Evil. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually really like Speak No Evil, but it's right. very, very disturbing. Um, and it's like not a movie that you necessarily think is going to be that like awful by the end. Uh, so I feel bad for the people who are watching a movie like thinking it's going to be you know just a thriller and then it ends up being something like really disturbing mm -hmm. and gruesome. 
but it definitely stayed with me and like the message is really blunt but it's it's mm-hmm. very effective so i would recommend that one if 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 you're like a fan of lars von Trier's stuff or his earlier stuff then you might like it yeah and it would also pick it was also picked up by shutter so it will probably get uh a release uh over on that streaming service uh later in the year um so definitely be on the lookout it's also a danish movie if i'm not mistaken right was that what it was yeah Yeah. danish movie yeah um it's interesting uh, whatever these these danes come out with they're, they're a very small nation here over in europe but they somehow are you know it's not i sound a bit jealous i def- definitely am a bit um jealous maybe envious even uh <laughs> we are not able we are not able to create uh as good art as they are sometimes and they also <laughs> got uh, right mats mickelson is also danish uh, why can't they have it why can't they yep. have it all and and we we don't have anyone notable here, <laughs> um, but yeah. On at that on that note, uh, I think that wraps it up for our very extensive coverage of Sundance. So thank you so much, Zach and Justin, for basically going through the entire lineup of the festival with me. Thank you for being so so gracious to to share all of your thoughts with us. And uh, maybe the only thing that is uh, to be done at the end of the show is to uh, direct the people. Uh, your way so where can they find um more of your stuff justin you can find me on youtube at the oscar expert Just leave it that <laughs> easy enough uh but yeah what about you sec where can people find more from you uh, you can catch me doing more sundance dispatches on intercut pod uh search in intercut on youtube or whatever podcast listener you like listening to yeah you like which one do you like overcast or what is overcast it yeah it's, yeah it's overcast nice. I've, I've, can, nev- uh, I've never used that one yeah you should download it they let you skip pauses Cool. <laughs> well, as it says that twelve percent of our listenerships in the last ninety days are listening on uh, Amazon uh, Alexa's, and I just what psychopaths listen to this podcast? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but it brings us to the end of the show. So thank you so much for coming on, and um, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again uh, once uh, more festivals roll around um, later in the year. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. <laughs>